this Friday heading into the August long weekend. We had some extra pep in our step this morning after the Winnipeg Blue Bombers laid the smackdown on the BC Lions. So we talked a lot today about the Bombers. We brought to you the sounds of the game in case you did not get the chance to listen. We also checked in with Christian O'Mell to get a review of the Blue Bombers game and a preview of the Winnipeg Sea Bears playoff game tonight at Canada Life Center. And on the subject of the Bombers beatdown, what's the worst beatdown you've been a part of in sports or in games? Sarah McCarthy has a heated story about Monopoly. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's on vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, August 4th podcast for The Start. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back next week. And Mr. Mackling, it is the Friday just ahead of the August long weekend. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready for three days off? Are you ready for basketball tonight? Oh, yeah. Have you recovered from football last night? You got sucked into the vortex of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' massive victory over the BC Lions last night, didn't you? I was not going to watch a single day down of football. I was determined to go to bed at like seven o'clock because I recorded the couch potatoes yesterday. So Thursday's a bit of a longer day, not saying boohoo me. It's just, you know, I'm tired. It's fact, but that is a long day. My friend just tired by the time I get home around three o'clock and I was watching global national and watching global Winnipeg at six o'clock. And I was sitting there thinking I'm getting sleepy. I should go to bed. Mm Hmm. So, of course, your instinct was then to do what? To turn on the bomber game at 7.30. (laughs) And it took it didn't take long for them to get into the end zone. And here I am in my apartment going, bombers, bombers, (laughs) bombers. And (coughs) listening to them talk about how BC hadn't allowed a touchdown and uh, 40, the number 44 springs to mind. I can't remember why. But it had been a while since they'd allowed a touchdown. And the bombers do it first crack, and then they get another one right away, and uh, that I, I I couldn't turn it off. Yeah, the bombers scored four touchdowns last night. BC, I think, it had only allowed five touchdowns all season to that point. Yeah, two thirty four, I think I wrote it down. Two thirty four into last night's game, the bombers already had more points in the game than they did all of June twenty second when the Lions came here and put the beat down. To the Blue Bombers. So it was a redemption game last night. We will have your sounds of the game. We're going to do it a little bit later this morning, just so we have a little bit more time. So the Blue Bombers piled on 50 points as Derek Taylor was shouting and exclaiming in the post game show last night. Uh, you have to say it now 50 every time we say how many points the Blue Bombers scored in honor of DT. So we'll play all the scoring plays for you and kind of get your long weekend off to a raucous start. And just as a, and I can't remember the final score, but I remember the first Bomber game I went to see at IG Field, I believe was in September. I don't remember the year, but the Bombers lost. The Lions scored 50 points on the Bombers. Oh, yeah. That was the game when Buck Pierce 
came in for the Lions as backup quarterback. It would have been 2013 or 2014 around Thanksgiving weekend. That was bad. It was like 50 to 2 or something like that. It was horrible. And uh, I think I divorced the Blue Bombers on the air uh, right after that game. Yeah, the Lions scored in their first play from scrimmage in that game. And it was the only shining moment in that whole game was when Buck Pierce came in and I was in the washroom. So I could hear it happening. For the Lions after he'd been traded yeah. Back to BC, right? Yeah. Yeah. I could hear him. I could hear it happening because the crowd was actually cheering because they had nothing to cheer about that whole day. So uh, the point, though, is to see the Bombers score 50 points on the Lions last night. That's like some long term vengeance right there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But you could tell last night that the Blue Bombers were determined to make up for what went down here back in June. So the Bombers back tied with BC for first place. But now we were talking yesterday about a loss sort of takes them out of first place in the running to host the West final. Now the Bombers are back in control of their own destiny, so to speak. Now, now they don't have to worry about what anybody else does. They just need to take care of their own business, including a big game against BC. I think that's October 6th. In Vancouver, that game could end up being for first place after all. Yeah, so exciting stuff last night at IG Field. And once again, as Greg said, we'll have the sounds of the game at 635. And you also mentioned, Greg, basketball, the Winnipeg Sea Bears playoff action tonight. Can't wait. They've, they opened up more seats in the 300 level. So there's still... There are still a few hundred tickets left if you want to go to this thing tonight. Yeah, six, seven hundred uh, thereabouts. Uh, based on my calculations, I was scrolling through the Ticketmaster website. If you've never sat in those incredible loge seats, which are basically ahead of the first row in the upper deck, yeah. uh, those are open. There are a few tickets uh, available in that section. You'll pay for them. I think they're about 72, 73 bucks, but a fantastic vantage point. Uh, Christian O'Mel is, of course, the broadcast play-by-play voice of the Sea Bears. He'll join us at 9.35 to talk about Sea Bears, to talk about the Blue Bomber game and uh, whatever other sports we can sneak in. I just got an email, Brett, uh, about the fact that my password for my email is going to expire in three days. So I need to set myself a reminder (laughs) to change my password before I leave here today. I set timers and reminders for just about everything in my life right now. But... uh, (laughs) You just set a reminder in the last 10 minutes for something that I had to ask you. You, you did what? To remind yourself to do exactly what now? <laughs> I uh, I made sure to set a reminder for the fact that I drove to work today. <laughs> I usually don't drive to work, especially not on Fridays, because I like to head down to the pub to the King's Head after work. But I was dealing with some taxi chicanery this morning, so I just said to heck with this. I am going to drive myself because I can't wait any longer for this cab. But I had to set a reminder because I don't want it to roll around to 1045 and just do 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 walking down the street. And then um, I'm like, oh, yeah, where's my car? Dude, where's my car? Oh, I left it in the parkade. It's it's covered in tickets from Impark. <laughs> it's one thing to leave your hoodie behind on a bar stool or in the playing fields at Isaac Brock School. Sorry, Mom. I, I still, that was not good when I did that. But uh, yeah, but to set a reminder, Brett McGarry, <laughs> don't forget you have your, your car here, your most expensive asset. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it. I would forget. Eh, I might too. 
Like hey, I did, if I were I, in I, your spot. The, 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 that, like, I, I've forgotten my keys before. Like, I walked home, <gasps> and I got to my apartment and realized my keys were sitting right here on the desk. Speaking of keys, last night I've got my backpack with my work laptop and all the things that I need for work last night. And so I put my wallet, my keys. I'm carrying two iPhones right now because I haven't migrated our work email to my new phone, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I've got the proximity key, pop the trunk, throw my backpack into the trunk, shut it. The keys were in my backpack. No. But they, I put the backpack close enough to the trunk that it was like I had the, the backpack on my back oh. and I was able to open the trunk again. But that was at 10, 15, 10, 20 last night. <laughs> it was just about a really, really long night for years, truly. <laughs> oh, I was on man. the phone with Jackie. I said, you were just about driving. Oh, Ty, do you feel just, no, I wasn't. <laughs> you would have been on your own, sucker. Oh, man. That's scary stuff. It was billed as the biggest game this early in a CFL season in a long time. A loss for the Blue Bombers could have meant the end of their hopes of finishing first in the West. The two top teams in the West, the 6-1 and one BC Lions versus the 5-2 and two Winnipeg Blue Bombers on a perfect night for football at IG Field. If you don't know how it went... You're about to find out. If you do know how it all went down and you want to hear it again, here they are, your sounds of the game. They know just how big a game this is. A Bombers win, they're even for first place. A Bombers loss, and BC will be two games up, having clinched the season series. This is a massive showdown. Five receiver set. They've got 2-7 on the line of scrimmage this time. Kalaros dropping back, pumps, and he wants... Kenny Lawler spinning and catching just shy of the 40-yard line. He's out at the 39-yard line. Instant field position and a gain of 34 from Kenny Lawler. Our first and 10 for their own 39. Motion everywhere. Fake it to Oliveira. They want downfield. Dalton Schoen is wide open. And he's got it in 25, 15, 10. Dalton Schoen is going to score. Two passing plays. 105 yards, and the Bombers are on the board. What a statement from the offense. Tight end is Tui Ellie back to the left-hand side. Blitz coming. Kalaros, it's picked up nicely. He's going deep, even for Lawler at the 10. Caught it for the touchdown. Kenny Lawler, dead even with the defender, has the score. Second and eight Lions for the Winnipeg Nine. Three receivers to the left. Whitehead in the slot. Evans looking that way. Throws it to the end zone for Whitehead. Tipped away by Evan Holman. Incomplete. And it'll be third down. It'll be Oliveira. Right into the end zone for the score. We'll take it however they bring it. And the Bombers lead 23 to 4. And we're going for a Hardrick hop into the end zone. Bomber 46-yard line as Evans walks out to his teammates to give them the call. First and 10. Straight drop. Pressure coming quickly. Thrown up. Picked off. Brandon Alexander's got it. 35, 40, 45. Look at him run midfield and out of bounds. Brandon Alexander knew exactly what was in Dane Evans' mind and he took it away. Vega to Oliveira. Going to the end zone for Dembski. He's got it for the touchdown. Nick Dembski, touchdown. And shown the receivers to the left-hand side. Second and six, Bombers. 
Ball in the middle of the field to 44. Five-man rush. Kolaris under pressure, throwing it up. Schoen, jump ball caught at the 35. He had to push off TJ Lee a little bit. He's got the catch for a gain of 31 and a Blue Bombers first down. Rhymes to get 20 motion to the left. Three receivers there. Four-man rush. Davis hit from behind. Cole whacked it out of his hand. Incomplete. And it's Blue Bombers football. Handed off, it's Oliveira. Big hole left side, 20, 15, 10, 5. Brady Oliveira for the touchdown! I'm not sure if he was determined to make amends for his uh, previous fumble that went back for a touchdown, but it's an awful coincidence that the first time Brady Oliveira gets a football here after that fumble that led to the major, he scores himself. So. That's uh, making yourself carbon neutral in uh, in the football world, right? Team Brown in shotgun, five-man rush. He's just going to chuck this one up. Coming open is Lawler. Under throw to Cox, the 45-50. Into BC territory, 45-40. Stiff arms Marcus Sales, who drags him down and takes a flag for dragging him down. Kenny Lawler approaching 200 yards receiving in this one. Brown in the pocket, steps up, goes it for Schoen. Oh. Caught, hammered. For the touchdown! He took a brutal shot from the safety, Quincy Mosier, and held on for his second touchdown of the game. From IG Field, Winnipeg 50, BC 14. <laughs> One more time, let's reiterate it. The final 50. score, Winnipeg 50. One more time, 50. BC 14. Complete domination from the Blue Bombers from the get-go, Brett McGarry. 50. BC got the ball first. Two and out for the Lions, and then three plays and a score for the Blue Bombers. On offense, Zach Kolaris and Kenny Lawler were spectacular. Kolaris, 19 for 27, 369 yards, three touchdown passes. Lawler showed exactly why he is considered by many to be the best best pass catcher in the league. Seven receptions for 200 yards and one TD. Yeah, and the Blue Bomber defense elevated their game with the return of Winston Rose and Kyrie Wilson. It was a genuine beatdown Brett of the team, which had come in Winnipeg June 22nd and waltzed away with a 30-6 to win. Winnipeg slides back into the driver's seat for first place, tied with BC at 6-2. and two. Circle October 6th on your calendar. That happens to be Thanksgiving long weekend, so if you're looking for an excuse to go to Vancouver, <clears throat> you might want to take advantage of that. Those two teams will face one another for the third time in the 2023 regular season at BC Place Stadium in Vancouver. And if you didn't do so last night, double check, triple check your 50-50 tickets. The winner gets $237,323. The winning number is O. Dash three zero six eleven eighty eight O dash three zero six one one eight eight. What a way to head into the Terry Fox weekend, uh, Brett. Coaches show on Tuesday, and the Bombers head to Edmonton to face the Elks on Thursday to try and extend Edmonton's home losing streak to 22 games. Now, Christian O'Mell will join us at 935 for his take on last night's game, and he's going to help us preview tonight's big game at Canada Life Center. Winnipeg Sea Bears do or die versus Edmonton tonight. The team has opened 10 sections in the 300 level for tonight's game. 
And there are still tickets left. If you want to go, it's going to be electric in that building tonight. I can't wait to go. I'm so glad I bought tickets. I bought them last Saturday night at midnight. And I'm thinking, should I be doing this right now? Yeah. And now that I now that it's Friday and it's game it's game day, I'm like, yeah, baby, let's go. FOMO has got to be setting in for a lot of people. Yeah. Right now. I think that is driving some of this. People do not want to miss out on something special, something that, you know, we haven't experienced in this city. Professional basketball, a playoff game, a crowd upwards of 10,000, maybe 11,000. I got to sit down and do the math on how many seats are available and sold so far. But I, I, I based on what I, what I think I've calculated so far, it's I, I think it's over 10,000. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to have, they're going to have no problem getting that tonight. I mean, the last time we had a game, a crowd that big for a basketball game was 30 years ago for the Winnipeg Thunder. So I'm super excited. Super, super excited. I'm excited for you. I'm, I'm, I'm pondering going myself. Normally I like a Friday night to myself if it's not Blue Bombers, but my kids don't work tonight, so might see you there. All right. Go Seabears. Go Bombers. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back next week. We got Folklorama tickets up for grabs, and we're going to use what happened last night at IG Field to inspire this conversation. The Bombers laid the boots to the BC Lions. So we want to know what's the worst or one of the worst beatdowns you've ever been a part of in sports or perhaps just a game, like a board game, or maybe you just witnessed, like you went to a game and it was just an awful, awful blowout. We'd love to hear your story at 204-780-6868. And, uh, well, Tyson Ruicky in Mass Control, you said you got one, so let's start with you. Yeah, this one still haunts me to this to this very day. I was <laughs> I was about eleven years old, and we were we were in the city finals for baseball, and we were up. I think it was seven or eight runs going into the the seventh inning, last inning, and our closer man, he was just he was struggling. You could tell he was feeling the pressure, and everyone on the field's kind of like, "Hey, coach, are we gonna are we gonna keep this guy in, or is there someone else gonna come in for him?" And we just blew that lead so fast. Oh, it was no. just hit after hit after hit. And I can vividly remember my brothers on the sidelines just laughing. They, <laughs> they, they thought it was hilarious. They couldn't believe it. They're like, after the game, they come up to me and said, you know that that was like one of the biggest chokes we've ever seen <laughs> wow. in sports. Oh, With brothers gosh. like that, who needs friends or yeah. enemies? Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I love my brothers. Uh, Did you ever make it back to a level of championship like that? Yeah, we got we got some revenge uh, a couple of years later. So, And you won? Yeah, we won uh, three. Oh, oh there you go, buddy. Well, at least you won. But <laughs> yeah, learned. The, those losses, they're tough, but you, you just got to take it on the chin and carry on. Sarah, what about you? Tough losses, and this was kind of, it turned into a literal beatdown. Not not actually, but my family takes a Monopoly very seriously. Um, <laughs> especially me and my cousins. And I'm, we Tyson was just saying, I don't think I've won a game of Monopoly in my life, and I definitely haven't either. But uh, it was just getting heated one game. We were younger. I was probably about 12, and I'm the oldest of us. And uh, my two younger cousins, the two sisters, were sitting beside each other and 
you know, they're fighting over the properties, the houses. Something's not right with the money. One of them was the banker. We've never <laughs> let one of them be the banker after that. And just there was some eye poking. There was some reaching across the table. Someone's eye got poked. So wow. they do not sit together anymore during Monopoly. So. Did anybody flip uh, the board? No board flipping happened. That would have been, I would have walked away at that point. Or uh, Monopoly would have been outright Band who, at that point. Who eventually won the game? One of them. <laughs> one of them. I don't know which one, but oh, yeah, man. it was one of them. Sounds intense. Uh, it was getting intense. Heated mm-hmm. game of Monopoly. Mm-hmm. Maybe this weekend we'll play. I don't know. Kelly Moore, what about you? <laughs> oh boy, that brings me back at memories of a Monopoly game that uh, uh, it resulted in my dad getting out of his chair, folding up the Monopoly board and saying, you guys are never playing this game in my house again. <laughs> That's a story for another day. <laughs> you, you know what? Hitman, and you can, I think, somewhat relate to this. Uh, the, I have suffered so many beatdowns uh, that are equitable to what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did to the BC Lions last night uh, on the golf course. Uh <laughs> I I can't play the game well to save my life. That's why I gave it up about eight or nine years ago. But in my younger years, I insisted on whatever spare money I had, giving it to my golf playing partners. Uh, You know that game where you play KP, you know, closest to the pin, closest to the, uh, you know, first one in, uh, that sort of thing. Oh, oh man, I'll tell you, I wound up losing all the time. And I felt like Lee Trevino some days because I'd have about five bucks left. And I'm down about six bucks with a hole to go. And I'm trying to figure out, how am I going to pay my debt here? So. <laughs> well, good for, good, Make a good shot, for you for gambling. Moore, that's how. Make a shot. I just I, know, I, I refuse I, to gamble when I golf. Trust me, G-Mac. I was trying, okay? G-Mac, I was trying, for God's sake. Bingo, bango, bongo. <laughs> that's <laughs> what it was. Thank you. Bingo, bango, bongo. Yeah, I forgot the name of it. Surus, <laughs> Manitoba, uh, 10 years old. I was a goalie for uh, Valley View Community Center. Stop and, one, would you, Macklin? Well, Kelly Moore, uh, it's not not bad enough that I think I'd already let in eight but I let one in from the opposite goal line. Guy iced the puck. It came on the net. And I wasn't quite schooled in the skill of handling the puck. You know, I didn't know how to stop it. I went down on my knees and tried to trap it. It slid right under my trapper into the net. And uh, that was the second time I cried on the hockey ice. So was never... your neck was your neck as sunburnt as Sarah's? Oh, <laughs> oh, man. Like, whenever Suris comes up in any conversation, my brothers, my dad will never, ever let me really? live that down. Oh, yeah. Can't even say the word Suris around me. I get I, I, I get the creeps. I'm sorry, how old were you? About 9, 10. Oh, yeah, I don't want to throw up. It's funny, the things that we just... Grade 4. I was yeah. in grade 4. It, well, tell us your story of being a part of a beatdown, whether you were on the winning side or the losing side, whether it's sports, whether it's games, could just be a heated game of lawn darts. I don't know. We, you, we certainly wouldn't want a game of lawn darts to get heated. Uh, but <laughs> tell us a story for your chance to win. Folklorama tickets will pick a winner at 9.15, and Folklorama joins us at 8.35, by the way. As we head into the long weekend, our highways are going to be super busy with motorists making their way to the lake, to the golf course, various community events, 
and music festivals all around Manitoba. Yeah, before we head out, MPI wants us to all think about how fast we are driving. In 2022, Manitoba Public Insurance studied how fast we're driving at 50 different urban and rural locations throughout Manitoba in an effort to better understand how frequently drivers were speeding around our province. MPI recorded the speed of over 2.3 million vehicles over five months and released the five locations with the highest proportion of drivers which were observed speeding. The spot with the highest percentage of vehicles, Brett, traveling more than 10 kilometers per hour more than the posted speed limit was eastbound Highway 1 west of Eli. 38% of vehicles were doing more than 10% more than the posted speed limit. And we'll have to ask if the Earl of Eli is listening, Dan, can you can do you concur with that assessment? But that was number 1. Number 2 is in Selkirk, southbound Main Street, south of Young Avenue. Speed limit there is 50 and 30% of vehicles were doing 10 over the limit in Rosser Eastbound Inkster Boulevard, east of the Bergen Cutoff Road. Posted speed limit there is 70. 27% of people were speeding. Grand Rapids, we've got northbound Highway 6, just north of Grand Rapids. Limit there is 100, and 18% were speeding. And then in Brandon, eastbound Maryland Avenue between uh, Cornell Bay. The, that's a school zone, so the speed limit there, 30, and uh, just under 17%. We're speeding. So the top five outside of Winnipeg, but I'm sure you've got a spot that you see too much speeding. Mackling, I think you mentioned the perimeter. Was there a particular stretch? All of it. All of it, yeah. All of it yesterday took the perimeter from uh, 59 or Lage and or 59 North and the perimeter all the way around to Pembina Highway to get to IG Field and you know, I was going 103, 104, 105, and I was getting past like I was standing still yeah. in a lot of circumstances. And I've mentioned this before, but I'll reiterate the fact that the, the sections that irk me the most where I get a genuine sense of, you know, it's not just people going fast for the sake of going fast, where people are totally disregarding other people's safety is when you approach those and we can talk about the number of traffic signals on the perimeter and Manitoba highways at another time, but you're supposed to reduce to 80 at almost every single one, each and every single one of those uh, controlled uh, intersections. And the people that don't slow down to 80 or at least try and get down to around 85 or so, those are the people that I think are, really have a genuine disregard for everybody else. Yeah. That feels so dangerous to me. And then of course you've got that massive construction area on the south perimeter. Really cool to see the interchange at St. Mary's Road coming together by the way. So if you haven't been down there, uh struggle with the traffic just to check it out. I'm a little <laughs> bit of a construction nerd. Uh but you know they've got an 80 construction area laid out there. And of course, it's it's appetizing to go quicker than eighty once you pass St. Mary's Road. But those cones are still out, and it, and the speed limit doesn't change until just about at the bridge to cross the Red River. But as soon as you got past what was the quote unquote apparent construction area, people were putting pedal to the metal, and and it's everywhere. Yeah, so. yeah, it's frustrating. I uh, get past. Um there are, well, a couple of stretches that I see it all the time. One is Keniston 
And of course, this has to do with where I spend a lot of time in LaSalle. And uh, so one is the stretch of Keniston, sort of as you're approaching the perimeter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll be doing, there are times where I'll catch myself doing 90. That's an 80 zone. And I'll be up to 90 and people will go flying by me like uh, they're trying to, you know, go back in time, trying to get up to 88 88. miles per hour. (laughs) And and then that, that stretch of the perimeter just from Keniston out to LaSalle, it's the people just like I, I'll be in the 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 left lane because I'm going to turn, and then people will zoom past me. Clearly, they're not slowing down for the eighty; they're doing way over a hundred. And even just like in the the other day, I was on Archibald northbound, heading towards Regent or yeah, Nairn, I guess. Pardon me, Nairn. And uh, I was trying to get onto the overpass, and there was this big pickup truck right on my tail. And as I approached the yield, I all I thought, can, can I go? No, I got to stop. Because the, the traffic coming, uh, the, the, the eastbound traffic got the light just as I was approaching. So I had to stop. And this guy had to hammer his brakes. Like, what is, dude, I was doing 65. Like, it wasn't like I was doing 40. I get. I understand why people might get a little irritated or irked. It, like, let's say, for example, I was driving down Harrow the other day, and I got stuck behind somebody who was doing thirty because it's a school zone that doesn't apply this time of year. At this time of year, so that was a little annoying. But at the same time, I, I respect their the fact that they're following the safety regulations. They just forgot ten months out of twelve. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just I don't, I don't. I used to speed. I I used to speed, and I got nailed a couple of times, and that's it. I, the last I got a speed. Last time I got a speeding ticket was like 15 years ago, I think. And ever since then, I just say I'll, I'll do five, maybe ten over, depending on like if it's if 100, I might do 110. But I always try to keep it like no more than 10. The other area, and I drive this quite a bit now. The other area where nobody follows the speed limit is the section, the brand new rebuilt section of highway 59 North of the perimeter and that fantastic interchange. Yeah. It's 80 all the way to the other side of birds Hill road, North of birds Hill road. It goes to 90 just before the floodway bridge. Everybody's doing 90, 95, a hundred. I noticed that the other day and it's 80 and they have the 80 signs on both sides of the highway. They're not trying to hide it. There's never any enforcement there. And, of course, you've got the turn signal or traffic signal at, at Birds Hill Road, two turning lanes. And then you go into Birds Hill, and right away, before the train tracks into Birds Hill Village, you've got a 50 sign. Nobody goes 50 going into the village either. Anyway, 204-780-6868, your most irksome zones, stretches of road or highway where Everybody else seems to be speeding. Not you, of course. Everybody else. <laughs> it's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb's off for a couple of weeks. I thought she was back next week. She's not. Uh, as we listen to some burning heart from Rocky Four. Good choice, Tyson Ruicki, because we're talking beatdowns today, inspired by the bomber victory last night, the decided victory over the Lions. What's a beatdown you were a part of in sports or games? Could be like Sarah shared her story of a heated game of Monopoly 
And uh, Mr. Mackling, you were pointing to uh, Labor Day Classic, I believe? Well, classic in quotation marks. Uh, Rough Riders fans will remember it as such. One of our listeners saying 2012 LDC uh, Classic. It was not. I was there. Mic drop. Uh, For those that don't recall the final score that Sunday in Regina, Winnipeg 0, Saskatchewan 52. Come on. Yeah. 52 to nothing? Yeah. That doesn't seem possible. That Pilsner wasn't cold enough for anybody after that (laughs) game, let me tell you. (laughs) And uh, Goalie Bob says, back in my younger days, our beer league hockey team played a team from St. Andrews. We showed up with a short bench, eight, including me, but we got humiliated by a team with four skaters and a goalie. I don't speak of this experience very often as I am scarred for life, but you brought it up, says goalie Bob. The score, by the way, was 6-4. The other team thought that we would give them a player to make it more even. We didn't, and they made us pay. Sorry about bringing that up, goalie Bob. 6-4. to four. At least you could hang your head high after something like that. Yeah, short bench, four guys, whatever. Uh, I think we ended up losing that game in Suris 14 nothing. You let, you let in 14 goals? Y- oh, yeah. That wasn't unusual. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My coach Vic would often come into the, if it wasn't for Greg, it would have been 26 to nothing. Oh, you make me feel so much better, Vic. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. We're going to tell you what's new at the movies in a moment. But uh, before that, uh, some big business news this morning. Tell us says it's cutting 6,000 jobs. The Vancouver-based telecommunications company says the cut includes 4,000 workers at its main TELUS business and another 2,000 at TELUS International. Massive. Yeah, so we'll probably hear more about that coming up in our business report at 8.15. And, of course, big win for the Bombers last night and some great feedback from Greg and Bloom North. Yeah, last night's game was exactly what our team needed, says Greg. That entire squad came out of the dressing room with the same mission to totally annihilate the Lions. Everyone was on the same page. Everyone knew what they had to do and everyone executed pretty much perfectly. This is what happens when everyone from the coach to the ball boy shows up ready to play. If we show up for every game like we did last night, then a Grey Cup is pretty much guaranteed. I'm kind of shocked I'm reading this out loud. No team in the CFL would be able to stop a squad like we had last night as a transplanted Saskatchewanian. Is that a word? I I, I think you're on. I think you're right there, Greg. The first thing my wife gave me when we were dating was a Winnipeg Blue Bombers hoodie or is that a bunny hug, Greg? I wear it with pride and cheer for them with all my heart. Last night's destruction of the BC Lions was has me walking on air this morning. Well done, Blue. Well said, Greg. And on the subject of speed zones, after MPI releasing Manitoba's top five speed hotspots, we're asking you, where are your speed hotspots where you see people driving way too fast? And what does this listener say? I'm a daily commuter and I commute from the east part of Winnipeg into Winnipeg. Highway 15 is by far the worst highway I've ever driven on. There are speeders that know no bounds. You are past constantly on the right-hand side if you're trying to make a left turn off the highway. And tailgating is absolutely ridiculous. It is amazing that there are not more accidents on this highway. It is brutal. So feel free to continue to weigh in on that front. Your worst speed zones 
Uh, but in the meantime, it's time to tell you what's new at the movies, the Couch Potatoes segment on our Friday. And we heard some of it to open the show. This first new movie opened on Wednesday, actually. And uh, I do have a bit of a musical stroll through memory lane for those of a certain vintage to tee this up. I uh, wore out this cassette soundtrack back in the early 90s. On the half shell, they're the heroes for. In this day and age, who could ask for more? Remember this? Vanilla Ice. (laughs) You were listening to this by yourself, right? Yeah, me. <laughs> I was actually listening to this yesterday. I found the first five episodes of the uh, animated series on YouTube. But yes, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are back again in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. After several movies, both live action and animation, Several animated series and animated specials like Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And of course, the comic books from the 1980s from Eastman and Laird that inspired this massive, massive franchise. This new film is an animated one that looks really cool. And by all accounts, it is. This Wednesday. We're going to need every single ninja technique, all right? I need you guys to use stealth to block the doors. Did you say go loud? From Seth Rogen comes a movie that crushes for absolutely every age. Tell me more, obviously. It's effortlessly cool and visually stunning. It's the most fun you'll have at the movies this year. That seems very dangerous. You eat danger for breakfast. Actually, I eat pizza with bits of waffles on it. Only in theaters. Wednesday, PG. I don't really need to tell you what the plot is. Like, they're teenage mutant ninja turtles. Does it matter? Pizza? They still eat pizza all the time? They still eat pizza. Were you, Are the boys, were they ever into the Ninja Turtles? Because they've been around since the 80s now. Yeah, I think maybe they just might have been in that dead zone of teenage, teenage, teenage or teenaged? Teenage. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. But I I confess I had a t-shirt. Yeah? With them on it once, and that is making the rounds. Amongst my boys uh, okay. lately. So, yeah, so they're, they're, they, they've got an affection for it. How's that? What about you, Tyson? You ever like the Ninja Turtles? Oh, I love the Ninja Turtles. I was a big, it was like the 03 one. And it was, it wasn't like too, it was almost a little bit dark, honestly, for like a kid show. But I, I was a big fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I had, I had all the action figures. I'd play with them all the time. I'm, I'm a huge, huge Michelangelo fan. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. You like Mike, the nunchucks? Oh, yeah. Mikey's the best. Okay. Well, and, and, and good voice cast in this, too. Like, the movie's co-written and produced by Seth Rogen, who is also the voice of the mutant Bebop. John Cena is rock steady, And Ice Cube is the voice of the big bad mutant Superfly. Paul Rudd's in there as Mondo Gecko, and there are a lot more big voices. But the Ninja Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, are actually voiced by teenagers. And I think that might be the first time. I'm not. I can't confirm that because there are too many series. I didn't want to go through every single series, but I don't think I've ever heard them voiced like actual or by actual teenagers. And it looks great. It's getting. It's at 95 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and by all accounts, it's it's a good movie for fans of all ages or even non fans of all ages. And the, like the, another cool thing is the animation style is similar 
to that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which introduced a really pretty wild new style of animation for a feature film. So the fact that we're seeing more of this in feature films, I think is great uh, because it just looks cool. Like I will, it's something that I, that looks very like a visual feast. How cool to get to a point in your career, like Seth Rogen to be able to bring back something that you love at an elevated level yeah. like this, you know, that talk about a passion project. I've seen a couple of interviews about that and he's just, he's so hyped about this. And I, and I do think that they're on, I, my, I hear that the Ninja rap is in this movie and even hints of the, the themes, the cartoon theme song that we played, they're using that in the trailers and the television commercials. So I'm really excited to get out and see this at some point. I'm not at all excited to see this next one. The Meg two, the trench. Jonas, we need your help. We're detecting increased aquatic activity 25,000 feet deep in the trench. It's an ancient ecosystem untouched by man. Whatever is down there is trying to make its way to the surface. This was a bad idea. Just a little bit. Yeah, it was a bad idea to make this movie in the first place because the first one came out in 2018, <laughs> The Meg. It's Jason Statham versus a giant shark, a megalodon, a prehistoric giant shark. And now they've made this sequel. And the, the exciting thing about that first one is it looked like a lot of fun. Like it wasn't, it's not a ser- not meant to be a serious shark movie. It's meant to be a fun one, like a Tremors kind of movie. And it wasn't like it actually took itself a little too seriously and it couldn't decide if it wanted to be a silly one or serious. And it was just bad. Um, And this new one, the trailer makes it look great. 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So take note if this is on your list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I shouldn't say the first one was bad, but it was just so disappointing. So those are the two big ones out this weekend. And then Greg pointed something out to me for Sunday. What's coming back on Sunday, Greg? Winning time. The rise of the Lakers dynasty. It's season two based on Jeff Perlman's books. This is one of the best TV series let me rephrase that. This is one of my most favorite TV series in a long, long time. You got to be prepared. It's an adult telling of the story of the Lakers. So you don't want to be watching this with young kids. Uh, but uh, uh, Riley, help me. Playing uh, playing John Jerry Bus, John C. Riley. Oh, yes. Playing Jerry Bus is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the cast of characters is outstanding, based on real life. Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. Uh, it is so, so good. Yeah, and Jason Clark as uh, Jerry West, a raging lunatic version of Jerry yeah, West. Yeah, Jerry West. The not, real Jerry West does not like this show. No, he doesn't like it at all. So that's a. Yeah, I had no idea it was coming back on Sunday. I guess I haven't watched anything on HBO for a while because I have not seen the ad. So, Greg, thank you for that tip. And if you want more pop culture and entertainment viewing tips, the Couch Potatoes podcast is now available at cjob.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Or you can, of course, listen to the show Saturdays at noon and Sundays at noon on 680 CJOB. Or if you're traveling, you can find us on eight different stations across the country. We're in Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Hamilton, London, Kamloops. 
Greg, last half hour we had a conversation about boat safety, and we asked a question about alcohol, and we and it looks like the information we shared was incorrect. Yes, and so we do want to correct that. And thank you to our listeners who pointed us in the correct direction here. In Manitoba, there are fines and penalties for operating a boat under the influence of alcohol or drugs. These match the fines and penalties for a person who drinks and drives. Our guest said that. Yeah. That was accurate. Our guest suggested that it's okay if you want to drink on a boat, but you really shouldn't. Uh, No. Additionally, it is illegal to transport open alcohol on boats in Manitoba. In addition, boat passengers may only consume alcohol on board a boat in Manitoba, but there's lots of ifs. If the boat is anchored or docked and has a permanent toilet, cooking facilities, or and or sleeping facilities. So all those three things have to be in place. Contact Manitoba's RCMP for more information about the laws for boating with alcohol in our province. Yeah, because then at that point, it's essentially considered a residence. Uh, it's like a private residence. Your guests are allowed to drink in your home. So uh, thank you to our listeners for pointing that out because I don't have a boat. I, I've been on one boat ride in the last... 20 years. So I don't know anything about this stuff. That's why we ask the experts. That's right. So uh, apologies to those listening. Thank you to those who uh, helped us make the, the correction. We appreciate it immensely. All right. So we've been talking festivals all week long because they're such a big part of our summer and there's no shortage of festivals this August long weekend, including, Greg, the biggest of its kind on earth. And that's right. We were touched on this just a little while ago. Edmonton, when I was living in Calgary back in the early 2000s, tried to claim this largest cultural festival in the world. Some three-day festival at a park somewhere. Sort of like, if you remember, Taste of Manitoba. And so... I wasn't working in radio at the time. I was just a proud Manitoban, and I phoned them. I said, I think you guys are stretching the truth a little bit here, because have you not heard of Folklorama in Winnipeg? Yeah, well, we have more more cultures participating, but your event's three days long. Yeah, well, we have more of this and more. Yeah, okay, I think you might want to change your advertising, because it's false, plain and simple. Anyway, standing up for Manitoba. Uh, Teresa... Teresa, how long have you been uh, visiting with you now? Is this four well, years? Uh, oh, probably actually going on six. Minus, six years. Minus the COVID. Have, have we been pronouncing your last name wrong all these years? No, you guys do a good job. You, you really do it. Do. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> you really do. You want me to say my last Please. name? Please. Okay. Well, there's the Italian version, which is Cotroneo. Right. And then the anglicized version is Cotroneo. Right. Cotroneo so, is, I think, how we've been yeah. introducing you. Yeah. You guys much better job than a lot of other people. Oh, well, that's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's always great to see you, uh, Teresa. Thanks for for joining us. And and who else is here, Brett? Also in studio with us is Samantha Luchenchen Lane, 2023 Adult Ambassador General. Hello there, Samantha. Hi, thank you for having us today. What's an Ambassador General? Uh, The Ambassador General is the representative of the Folklorama Festival. Uh, There are four of us, two adult ambassadors and two youth ambassadors. And last year we were ambassadors for our pavilions. And then we applied for the ambassador general program. Uh, There was a interview process and then uh, a larger second interview um, process where we were in front of a crowd and we had to answer a question. We were timed. It was really nerve wracking. And uh, we were announced as the candidates and the winners of that uh, competition 
And so we get to represent the whole festival this year. What pavilion do you hail from? Uh, originally, I'm from Ukraine, Kyiv Pavilion. And I understand that you're a teacher. And I recent, am. You recently booked a Folklorama at School program with uh, your class? I did. Uh, our entire grade seven population at my school got to experience two different Folklorama performers. And they did some workshops and had a performance in our gym. And they enjoyed it a lot. They loved it. So Folklorama just isn't an opportunity to have fun and party. Uh, I remember the highlight for me when I was in my 20s for Folklorama was the fact that the bar was open till three o'clock. <laughs> Thank you, Folklorama. I appreciated that <laughs> very much. But it can also be this educational tool to help us expand our horizons and learn so much more. It's, it's a genuine excuse, isn't it, Sonata? Yes. Yeah. My students were really convinced. I didn't tell them which... Uh, performers were coming in. Um, our school has a Ukrainian bilingual program and myself being Ukrainian and a Ukrainian dancer, um, they assumed that I was going to ask one of the Ukrainian groups to come in, but we had a performer from the India Pavilion and performers um, from the British Isles Pavilion, the uh, McConnell Irish dancers came in. So they were pleasantly surprised, um, had no idea who was coming in and they really, really enjoyed those workshops. It was cool. a great chance for them to learn. Well, that's cool. And Teresa, I mean, do you have any idea what sort of uh, attendance you are expecting this year? Well, last year we actually had about 14% over our regular attendance uh, from, well, based on 2019, which was the last full festival, of course. Uh, so from what we saw at our kickoff event uh, on uh, the 29th with last Saturday, there was like not a blade of grass there. It was completely packed. There were thousands of people. So if we, if we keep seeing those kind of crowds, we think it's going to be a full house. Uh, also, our VIP tours. There, We were talking about those a couple months ago. Those are, I think, 96% sold out as of this morning. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So if anyone is looking for a seat on a tour, I think we've got just over uh, 70 seats left on various tours. So definitely, if you want to travel like a VIP, check out the website and uh, book a tour. Those were always a great way to miss the lineups, yes. which which are one of everybody's <laughs> favorite parts of Folklorama are the lineups. Have you done anything to, to limit oh, the amount of time that I have to wait yes. in line versus back in, say, 2010? Absolutely. So um, online digital ticketing and uh, you are able to purchase your tickets on time. You know that you're going to get into a pavilion. Uh, when you get to a pavilion, there is a ticket holder's entrance for anyone who has prepaid and um, you just... Walk right in, grab your seat, have uh, get. Then you'll have to get in line sometimes for food and beverage, that's but okay. that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, it, it's honestly made it extremely convenient, and uh, people are really loving that way. We went from fifty percent usage in twenty nineteen to seventy five percent online in twenty twenty two. We're talking Folklorama with the Executive Director, Teresa Cotroneo, and Samantha Lucinchen Lane, the 2023, one of the 2023 Adult Ambassador Generals. And I imagine, Samantha, uh, in your role, you'll be, you know, get to be going from pavilion to pavilion. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. People think that they're like, oh, the festival hasn't started yet. Oh, it started a long time for us ambassadors general. We've been at multiple events. We were at one yesterday. We got to see a, a citizenship ceremony yesterday morning, which was really exciting. Um, so we've been on the go for quite a while. Um, it's been wonderful to get dressed up in our cultural attire and uh, to be able to have these different experiences. And yeah, I get to go to all 40 pavilions this year. So my Apple wallet is full of all of my tickets. I'm all booked. I'm ready to go. I know where I'm going and when and with who. 
I'm really excited to, to hit the road. These cultural experiences are, are so dynamic and they've gotten better over the years. I mean, there were some pavilions that have always been outstanding, but uh, the food is even better. I find uh, maybe it's just age. I, I appreciate <laughs> it more, but the performances are outstanding. And then, you know, the accessibility to try some of these different beers and these different alcohols from around the world didn't always necessarily exist either. No, absolutely. And uh, we work very, very closely with uh, liquor and lotteries to make sure that we're able to bring in a variety of things that people don't aren't usually able to try. Um, so we're excited, obviously, to be able to offer that up. And, you know, the pavilions really work hard on an annual basis to be creative, right, to be in touch with what's going on um, in their home country and, you know, what new elements that they can bring or interactive elements that they can bring so that people can really immerse themselves into the festival. So... Really, there's something for everyone, whether it's it is the food or trying a um, a cool new beverage or just really wanting to feel like you're part of that culture. Um, it's there's experiences for all. On the subject of liquor, we should probably follow up. I know you were asked about it this week, but the liquor strike is it going to affect Folklorama? Uh, we have been told that it is not. Uh, we again, we've worked with them very very closely on a year round basis, and most recently in the recent month. And um, they have assured us that uh, things are all on track and um, anything that may be a shortage might be really just a supply chain issue more so for us at this point, which is an ongoing concern uh, and and was last year actually as well. So as far as um, the strike, uh, that is not disrupting um, our pavilions at all as far as we know. So this has been a long-standing tradition of, of the festival starting on a Sunday why does it start on a Sunday? Why isn't it starting tonight, Teresa? I want to go to Folklorama tonight. I don't want to wait. Well, because you've got over 8,000 volunteers who are uh, taking their vacation from work so that they can volunteer for seven days or 14 days straight, depending. Uh, so the long weekend has traditionally been an opportunity, obviously, for them to get into their venues, uh, to do all of their setup for all of the permitting and everything else to to go through. And, and I knew you'd have a reasonable answer for that unreasonable <laughs> question. <laughs> hey, we've uh, we, well, that's how it is now. You never know what the festival will look like in the future, but um, it uh, definitely that's one of the reasons that that they started it on the long weekend for sure. Samantha, before we let you go, you you mentioned that uh, you're you hail from the Ukraine Kiev Pavilion. Yes. How was the reception last year, given what's happening in Ukraine? It's been wonderful. Manitoba has welcomed so many more people coming from Ukraine right now. Um, and everyone has had the opportunity to volunteer, to connect with people, to uh, really, the community has just really come together. And uh, are, do you expect similar result this year? I would assume so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When you were in the pavilion, did you actually get to go to the other pavilions? Last year, like, uh, during the week opposite to our pavilion, yes, I did. But otherwise, is it is it just like what was your role in your pavilion? Uh, last year, at, at last year I was ambassador for my pavilion, so I um, was on stage doing speeches, greeting uh, dignitaries who, who showed up, uh, greeting the other ambassadors, and doing cultural tours with them around our pavilion. And then in the week opposite to ours, that's when I was able to go and be the guest at other pavilions. Have you ever had to cook? 
No, I haven't. No, but my <laughs> we've talked to people who like spend weeks preparing. Sorry, too. I have. I have been. Um. I have been a longtime volunteer for my pavilion. Um, I was in charge of reservations, so recruiting volunteers. I normally have about fifty volunteers who work under me, um, and they are the ones who serve all of the meals and beverages to reservation like guests who have made reservations ahead of time. Wow. So if you want to avoid those lines, yes. make a reservation. There, there are pavilions that do that. <laughs> okay. See, technology is your friend. It's not always a bad thing. Folklorama, the largest event, the largest cultural celebration of its kind on the planet right here in Manitoba. How many years now? This is 52. 52. My goodness. Teresa Cotroneo, the Executive Director, and Samantha Luchenchen Lane, 2023 Adult Ambassador General, one of four Ambassador Generals this year. Thank you both for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, guys. And the website, of course, is folklorama.ca. It starts on Sunday and it goes for two weeks. Mr. Greg Mackling. You have honors. Who is our Friday 905 guest? Well, you would have seen her multiple times on those great big giant TV screens at IG Field. She's the in-show, in-game host at Blue Bomber Games as well as the host, the anchor, the face, the voice of Global News Morning, seen 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. Monday through Friday on Channel 9, Cable 12, CKND, Winnipeg, Gabrielle Marchand. Clearly, you have better cognitive function than I do this morning. That was impressive. You just rattled out 47 words. It was incredible. I'm a fan. What can I say? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're making me blush over here, Greg Mackling. <laughs> Stop it. It was a little easier to come in this And I, I, I was late. Like, I stayed up and watched. The, I was in, it fully intended to go to bed before kickoff. But of you watch the whole thing? I watch the whole thing. Okay, so you're tired. We're all tired. We're collectively but, tired. But it's Friday heading into the long weekend. The Bombers laid the smack down on yeah, BC and yeah. delivered a statement not just to BC, but to the entire Canadian Football League. Ground How and pound. How can you not be excited? Ground and pound, baby. There you go. Yeah, not so fast. The Bombers are not going anywhere. Everybody thought that this was going to be the changing of the guard, potentially. Uh uh-uh. Uh-uh. This is the game Derek Taylor thought. You, you know the saying from uh, Star Wars? These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> this is the game Derek Taylor was looking for June 22nd, and he nailed it last night. He's just a few weeks late. Yeah. That's all. And just a reminder. 50, 50, 50. <laughs> there you 50, go. One more time. 50. And, of course, the 50, 50, 50 was 50. huge last night. Oh, yeah. Did anybody I, claim no. that yet? I have it up. Uh, if you won the 50-50, let us know. We had a couple of discussions like, what do you do when you win that type of money? Because that's life-changing money. Well, it's at least like long weekend-changing money. I'm not showing up to work on Friday. I'm going to be in Vegas so wasted that I won't be back until <laughs> next week. Oh, yeah. The, and I mean, what? It was $237,323 for the winner. Remarkable. It's nice. Yeah. yeah, that changes lives. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you can't retire on that, but you can definitely no. change your life. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So one of the things we like to do with Gabby every Friday is sort of review some of the fun topics we've discussed. And we opened the week by discussing places that we visited in Manitoba that surprised us at how great they were because it was inspired by the fact that last weekend I went to, did my little, uh, one of my little weekend golf trips. We did Minidosa, Clear Lake and Nipawa. Oh, nice. We had done Minidosa and Nipawa before. Love both of those golf courses. They're beautiful. They're fun. But none of us had ever been to Clear Lake, not just the golf course, but to Riding Mountain National Park. Did you get the cinnamon buns in Clear Lake? I hear they're amazing. <laughs> 
said stupid cinnamon buns. No, that's what the At the White House. I had so, so many. Re- no, I went to the White House and had actual breakfast. And and I watched as there were like 50 people in line you waiting for an bun hour to, go, to buy cinnamon. I know. Talk about I, I don't FOMO. like cinnamon buns. People don't want to miss out on those cinnamon buns. Cinny buns. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have the cinnamon buns. I shouldn't say I don't like them, but I just, I don't. Like, I'm not Brett hates cinnamon buns. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was all. Uh, Brett hates cinnamon buns. I'll get you, get it <laughs> next time. <laughs> that hurts. Oh but uh, what's a place in Manitoba that caught you off guard and how awesome it is? <laughs> the whole uh, thing since she moved here from Saskatchewan. The whole place. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I came from that dumpster fire. I love Saskatchewan. I won't say that. But uh, I'm supposed to go to Steinbach this weekend. Randomly, uh, my boyfriend said he wants to go to a big smoke barbecue. That's his big plans a long weekend road trip to Steinbeck. But it reminded me, I have been in the past with my uh, my adopted grandmas from Villa Cabrini to the Mennonite Heritage Village in Steinbeck. And it's incredible. It's awesome. It's so full of learning. And then you can go and you get these like rings they make out of nails. They have great soup and buns. I would really recommend Steinbeck. I'm uh, looking at pictures of this big smoke, Does by the way. Does it look good? Does it look like worthy of a road trip? Spelled B-I-G-G-S-M-O-A-K. Big smoke. Uh, yeah, it looks definitely <laughs> like this is a good choice on your boyfriend's part. Then you go and then you go to the Mennonite Heritage Village, too, for some learning after you eat all that barbecue. And then you can go to Santa Lucia right across the street for supper at yeah. the uh, Fly-In. That's so, right. At the Steinbeck Fly-In. Although looking at the size of these meals, you might want to do the the Mennonite thing first. Walking first, yeah. the food coma after. <laughs> yeah. I once tried to go to, um, I had plans like well over 10 years ago to go to the ballet. And uh, my girlfriend and I at the time went to Carnival for dinner beforehand. Meat, meat sweats. And uh, we did not go to the ballet. <laughs> we went no. home and sat on the couch and just like couldn't move. Did you have tickets pre-bought for the ballet it was uh, it was uh, they were they were waiting at the so i just turned the they I, I had, they they were they were it was a giveaway thing and i i just i did show up and say thank you but no thanks we are full and uh <laughs> i'm going home okay. i need to go lie down yeah. Yeah. What about you? What was your hidden gem, Greg? I'm curious. I love. I feel like Manitoba is so full of hidden gems. I can't remember because there are so many. There's I don't many. really don't remember because there are just so many of them. Yeah, we because you know, all week long we've been talking about different things. We we featured the Fire and Water Music Festival in Lac Dubani, which is happening starting today uh, for the next three days, and uh, they're they're they've got their stage down by the water at. Um, why the water ski was it something i'll have to pull the that boat up launch yeah the yep. boat. but uh just a, the whole region is fantastic i'm gonna put this out there um because i always talk about that coffee shop in winkler i'm obsessed with morden apple corn festival corn and apple Fas- festival yep. august 25th i think we should all go i think you we should broadcast live i want to do the news live from the morden corn and apple festival that's that a party too great yeah they always have uh, some pretty good they usually have some pretty good me- musical guests as well. Econoline Crush is playing this year with Sloan. Ooh. As I was saying. Yeah. Can you get on one. that, Gabby? What? Yeah. <laughs> Making a twin bill. Think of all the eating the we can do. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Always goes back to the food. Nom, 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 nom. 
It's at Lakers Ski Club, by the way. Oh, I just Lakers had to look that Ski up. Lakers Ski Club, right. Couldn't remember the name. Fireandwater.ca is the website. Gabrielle Marchand, always a pleasure. Get some sleep. Enjoy <laughs> the big smoke barbecue in Steinbach. Thank you so much. You have a great long weekend. Gabby is the host and anchor of Global News Morning Scene weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on vacation. We were just talking, before we give away our full Clarama tickets, we were just talking about Steinbeck, Gabby, saying she's going to Big Smoke Barbecue at some point this weekend. And listeners, to the rescue, with a reminder of yet another cool thing happening this long weekend. 55th annual Pioneers Day Parade goes today at 10 o'clock. That's in, so- in association with... The annual Pioneer Days celebration in Steinbeck got underway last night, Brett, or today? Yeah, it looks like it started yesterday morning at, uh, oh, hang on a second. I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking at something from 2018. So it, it's funny, the dates, uh, it said August 3rd. Okay, gotcha. I'm, I'm like, oh, so it started yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, you know Starts what, I'm just going to start. today. How's that? <laughs> Let's go Parade at 10 in Steinbeck. <laughs> be there or be square, as they say. Okay. Um in the meantime, we've got Folklorama tickets to give away. That starts on Sunday. And we were asking you about beatdowns in sport because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I think there was certainly confidence that the Bombers could have won, but I I figured it would be a much tighter game. I didn't expect them to clobber the BC Lions uh, and, and drop a 50 on them, a 50-piece, a 50-burger. But uh, So we're asking you about the beatdowns that you've been a part of. And this was a tough decision. Because we've got two great stories here. Our runner-up is Gord, who uh, really offered some philosophy on this. So I like that. Gord says, I've come to realize beatdowns in sports are curious events. No real explanation. Seems the stars just align for that team on that day. I've experienced both the exhilaration and the humiliation of a blowout. One of my favorites happened in football. I was playing with the Bisons, and we were in Calgary to face the favored Dinos. We kicked off, and they promptly marched down the field for a touchdown. They kicked off to us, and we did the same. On their next possession, after initially moving the ball, we managed to stop them. The attempted field goal went wide for a single. Score 8-7 Dinos. From that point on, we could do no wrong, and they couldn't catch a break. I can't recall for sure, but I think we may have picked up points on every possession after that. The score ended up 67-8. to 67-8, if memory serves me correct. Gord says, I've thought a lot about that game, trying to come to grips with how it happened. Obviously, we weren't that good, and they weren't that bad. I've yet to reach an explanation, other than there will be days when karma is not on your side. Coaching, skills, Game plans, pride, work ethic, throw it all out the window. Some days a mystical force descends on the game and one team is gold while the other is lead. Oh boy, that is such a good text. Yeah. Such a great way to look at it. Such a a great story told. But I'm sorry, Gord, Gerald's story beats it in its simplicity and who's involved here. Back in the late 60s, our 12 and under minor hockey team played a game in Winkler. I was the goalie. We got beat 10 nothing by Winkler. One player on Winkler scored all 10 goals on me. His name was, and longtime Jets fans will know this name, his name was Ray Newfeld. He went on to play in the NHL and the Winnipeg Jets. I will always remember that game as an 11-year-old. 
Thank you, Gerald. Congratulations. You will not have Folklorama FOMO. Hopefully that, when he went on to the NHL, hopefully that helped take away some of the sting. Like, okay, I, I didn't, turns out I'm not, I don't suck at this. He's just really, really good. I gave up six goals to one kid at a tournament in Nipawa once. Uh, I have no way of proving this. I just have been telling myself for 35, 45 years, it was Theron Flurry. <laughs> <laughs> in honor of the late Paul Rubens, word of the day is 50. We're going to play that one more time. 50. And one more time. 50. And Greg, what does that mean? That means uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were very, very good last night. 50 points. Not only is 50 my favorite beer, it's now my favorite uh, game (laughs) total by the Blue Bombers. Christian O'Mell, host of the CJOB Sports Show, critical member of our Blue Bomber coverage team, uh, joins us now. Christian, good morning, friend. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for that. And by the way, the... the Round ball rock theme has been used by Fox. They bought the rights for it like five years ago. And Give they used me it for a college break. basketball. And I think I, I found out that just now AEW uh, used it too recently for some kind of. Oh, yeah, that's thing. right. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like when the, the Hockey Night in Canada theme went over to TSN. It just, it's just, it's kind of wrong, right? Like we hear it. We know that you're playing that, but we all think of something else when you, we hear that music. It's and, weird, but. Well, and good for you. You know, the name, the name of the song round ball rock. I forgot yeah. that. So yes, go look at, it's from like mid nineties when John Tesh is playing this song in a, like a, I don't know if it's in Vegas or something, but it, it's kind of fantastic. Oh, he uses a voice machine or like a vo- uh, vo- voicemail machine that he plays off of. It's it's kind of tacky, but it's really wonderful. All right. Well, Christian is a worthy follow on uh, all sorts of social media. So take his advice on this one. Uh, Christian, I would say, I'm not going to speak for you, but I would say I was incredibly nervous last night. Uh, the line on last night's game had the Blue Bombers favored by six. Uh, Derek and Doug wanted to know, you know, are you going, are you taking the t- six points? I would have taken the I would have said no. Like uh, it's going to be less than six points. Vic- victory last night for either team. I was not expecting what we saw last night. This is more like what Derek Taylor was predicting June twenty second. Right. And, and what did I tell you in the pregame show? If the Bombers can protect Zach Kolaris, they're going to win this game, and they did. I did not think they'd win by thirty six points. I'll give you that. The reality was this Blue Bomber team. I think there's a, a multitude of reasons why what happened last night happened. I think, one, they protected Zach Kolaris. He was not, what, touched last night, right? He had all the time in the world to just throw it deep, right? They've got all these weapons that he wasn't really able to use the first time they met because he was getting chased the whole time. He was on his back the whole time, and he gets to throw this one deep to Kenny Lawler. He gets to throw this one deep to Dalton Schoen. Gets to lie this one deep into the corner to Nick Dembski. Just... Excellent, excellent offense all the way through the night. Yeah, there was that one pick. It was kind of weird. But the reality was that the offense was running on all cylinders. And defensively, this team's been pretty good. And they got after the quarterback. They made Dane Evans' life tough in the first half. When he's pressured, he can turn the ball over. And then he got hurt. And with Dom Davis at the helm, they had no chance, right? So there's also the fact that BC's coming in on a short week. The Bombers are pretty much unbeatable off a bye the last six seasons. 11-1, and I think. Yes, it's 2017. They just don't lose after a bye week. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see their final meeting of the year in October where it could very well decide who hosts the West Final. 
I expect the you know Vernon Adams. He's not perfect, but he's better than the other two quarterbacks they've got for sure. Uh, definitely changes the matchup and. The Bombers are as healthy as they've been all season. They're, they're the healthiest team in the CFL right now, and that definitely helps their cause. And as far as the, another Winnipeg team in action tonight, the Winnipeg Sea Bears hosting some playoff action against the Edmonton Stingers. So they, they lost to the Stingers to close the regular season. How do you feel about their chances tonight to take this game and go to the championship weekend? Well, they don't go to the championship weekend if they win today. They would go to the West semifinal in Calgary Sunday, ah. win that, and you go to the championship weekend. Okay. Losing on Saturday was a big missed opportunity for this okay. team because they would have been able to host the West semifinal. Now they got to beat Edmonton and then go to Calgary where they've lost twice this year and they, those games haven't been close. But regarding tonight's game, Winnipeg is 7-3 and three at home in the regular season. 7-1 and one against teams that aren't Edmonton, 0-2 oh against teams that are Edmonton. It's been uh, interesting to see this matchup because the first time they met here, it was a 29-point win by Edmonton. It was Winnipeg's worst game of the year. So you kind of flush that to some degree. It was kind of early in the year. But this past weekend, Winnipeg was down for a lot of the game. They mount a rally. They call, they're up 78-72 in the fourth quarter. And then Edmonton closes on a 26-8 run. They just poured in three-pointers over and over again. And Winnipeg didn't really have an answer. The reason I'm worried for Winnipeg is that their second-leading scorer is gone. EJ Onasike left the team at the start of the week to go try out for the Nigerian national team ahead of the FIBA World Cup later this month. And so they just lost 18.5 points per game. They just lost 6.5 rebounds per game. And this has been a, a team that has two reliable scorers in Teddy Allen and EJ Onasike. And then after that, it's a lot of you know sporadic scoring. There, there's players that have it some nights and don't have it other nights. They need them all to have it tonight. They could still win this game, absolutely. Edmonton is a, is a team that's kind of just like a more of a by committee. They don't have a like a star like Winnipeg has in Teddy Allen. They have a bunch of guys that can have like you know fifteen points in a game, but the the Edmonton team is better inside than Winnipeg is. Winnipeg's a better three point shooting team generally, but both times they've met Edmonton, the Stingers have been excellent shooting threes. They just need more support for Teddy Allen tonight to win this game. I'm if I were to bet on it, I'd say. I, I I tend to lean Edmonton, but I also think that this EJ leaving them has been a rallying point for the guys, right? To say, hey, you know what? We can do it without him. Let's go do it without him. Now, they have to perform at a level that we haven't necessarily seen from some of the players this season, but it's going to be a raucous crowd. We know that. Uh, it sounds like there's going to be close to, if not more than 10,000 people at this game, which is just staggering, right? The fact that this this first year team has had this kind of support in Winnipeg has been amazing. I hope it continues. I hope we don't, you know, it's not five years from now we look back and say, "Hey, remember when they got that many fans?" And now there's, you know, like three thousand fans a night. But it's it's incredible, and it, this is the last night for them at home, win or lose, and. Let's see if they can uh, take that first step towards making the championship weekend. What difference do you think that energy can make with a team that's looking to, you know, rally the bench, so to speak? You use that by committee approach from Edmonton. It seems as though that's exactly what the Sea Bears are going to need tonight, that by committee approach. Yeah, but we also saw on Saturday when it was a, what was at that point the record for fans at a game with over 8,300 that the crowd was taken out of it for most of the night, right? Winnipeg started slow. There were a lot of missed shots. They, they, sh you know, all game shot the ball pretty poorly. 
And uh, save for a, a burst in the late third, early fourth quarter, the crowd wasn't really a factor. And when the crowd was roaring, it was amazing. And that's definitely lifted this team a lot of the season. They've had a lot of close games that they've won. And in part because they've got the energy of this home crowd to push them when they're behind. But if Edmonton does what they've done the first two games, and that's just take the crowd out of it, well, then that's that's so a gi- early, giant neutralizer. Early. Seabear's got to get out and score some points early, establish uh, establish their game, and get the crowd involved right off the top is what I'm hearing from you, Christian. I agree. No, that, that's, that is correct. I, I think that uh, you know Edmonton's not afraid. They know they can win in this building. They've done it twice already, so they're not concerned about that. But if if Winnipeg can get on a roll, that's how they take over games. They weren't able to do it Saturday, and they need to be able to do that tonight to advance to round two. Now, Christian, you've been the play-by-play guy for the home games this season, but not tonight. You'll be on the CGOB Sports Show. Uh, why not tonight? Because TSN is broadcasting all the playoffs nationally. Most of the season has been web-streamed on either uh, TSN Direct, uh, Plus, their streaming service, or CEBL Plus. But to have the, the national exposure on TV, that's how you grow a league, right? To have it on TV, because st- I know a lot of people have cut the cord, but still, the majority of people that watch TV are watching it on cable, on satellite. So I think it's better for the league that this is happening. I obviously would have liked to call a playoff game for sure, selfishly, but I think it's best for the league that they can have more eyeballs on their product over the playoffs here. All right, Christian, thank you for this. Uh, Good luck tonight. (laughs) I I assume you'll be in the building, yes, after uh, the sports show? Oh, I'll be heading over for the second half, definitely. Fantastic. And uh, by the way, uh, for those of you that were at the game last night, the 50-50 in that Blue Bomber game was over 470000 The winner gets $237,323. I was just on the Blue Bomber web- website, yet to be claimed as of yet, so check your ticket. Letter O-306-1188, $237,323. Not some, not like, like that's some serious spending cash for the long weekend. That is indeed. Uh, so once again, that ticket number 0-306-1188. And again, Christian O'Mell is the host of the CJOB Sports Show, who reignites 630 to 9 on 680 CJOB. 